Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 49 of State of the Game, the golf podcast that talks about stuff that matters. I'm Rod Murray, and on this episode, we're going to meet the man responsible for our opening and closing theme song here at State of the Game, Lloyd Cole. Lloyd's not only a successful musician, but a keen student of the game and course design in particular, it'll be fascinating to get his thoughts on the current state of golf. Before we meet Lloyd, let me bring in my co-host, as always, from the US, blogger, critic, analyst, author, Jeff Shackelford. Shack, good to talk. I know you're pretty close with Lloyd. Looking forward to getting some of his insights on the game today. Oh, yes. Lloyd's a, uh, a wonderful uh, student of the game, so it should be a lot of fun. Indeed. From here in Australia, a man who I spent more time with in the last week than any other human on the planet as we walked the fairways of <laughs> Metropolitan Golf Club together for the Australian Masters, I can confidently say, Shaq, if we ever start that alternative golf commentary channel, Clayton will be our lead <laughs> analyst. He'd be a wonderful addition, although it may come with a language warning. Clayton, feels like only yesterday we saw each other. Clay? Yeah, thank you, Mike. <laughs> we, we enjoyed last week. It was good fun, and we'll be up at the Australian this week. We're doing well. There's an alternate radio show. We're doing it this week. We've got on course radio, so a few of us are doing that. So we'll um, we'll keep the microphones away from Jeff Do you know if that's um, available on the web? That would be fantastic if it was. I'll be listening. While yeah, we're it's a terrific idea. Uh, you, Huggy, who else? Martin Blake, Mark Hayes, uh, John Huggin. Yeah. And me and um, Matt Cutler and Brad James. Brad James is the uh, he's the golf Australia guy in charge of the high performance players. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Ryan Ruffles is playing this week, obviously, probably with someone famous. And <laughs> um, yeah, so, so it'll be fun and interesting to see how it goes. Yeah, we'll have a look and see if we can get that on the website. It would be great. I'm sure one person who would be listening, if it is available on the internet is today's guest also from the US a man whose passion for golf seems at least as strong as his love of music he's pursued both of those in almost every corner of the world Lloyd Cole originally from Scotland coming from the US today big welcome to you thanks for taking some time to chat I know that you know these two miscreants quite well so I'm looking forward to listening in I do, yes, and I'm, I'm I'm based in the US, but I am. I, I you might not be able to tell it, but I am originally from England. England, I thought. There you go. My research already has been uh, ordinary. I thought it was from, you were from Scotland, so apologies <clears> for that. Uh, let's move on and talk about some golf, Lloyd. Uh, I read a couple of interviews with you today as we were getting ready to talk. I don't know as much about you as these two guys. Uh, you really not kidding? You are passionate about golf, aren't you? Where did that come from? And my mum and dad took a job when I was 13 at a golf club. So what are you going to do? Start playing. I caddied for the pro, learned how to play, and I've been playing ever since. And a pretty handy player too. I know you've been down as low as five, though you did spend a year playing hickories, did you not? I spent a year playing hickories, and I won the only hickory tournament I've played in and completely lost my swing with the modern clubs. Uh, I had a pretty pretty desperate last year, which I think I just sort of found out how to swing the club again in the last month. Uh, my, my, my youngest son, I think, is going to be able to beat me quite easily if I don't b- buckle up. Might be almost time to give the game away if that's going to happen. <laughs> that's not a happy day in any dad's life, is it, when uh, when the young bloke beats you? It's, com- it's coming, I know. Yeah, I yeah. can see it. Well, it happen- didn't it happen to Paul Laurie? Year before last? Yeah, and then he got back on the Ryder Cup team, so there you go. That's exactly I'm, right. I am aiming for the Massachusetts Senior Amateur in 2016. Okay, well, good luck with that. We'll keep an eye on your progress as uh, as things come along. Lloyd, I mentioned that you've pursued golf all over the world. I know you've spent some time in Australia and played with clubs. Did you get to watch anything from Metropolitan last week? And can you give us just some of your thoughts on golf here in Australia versus perhaps the US where you live now? Well... When, I, when people ask me about Australia, I just say it's the best place to play golf in the world because the, the golf courses are like Scotland. Uh, 
but the weather's good for the most part. Um, I, I, I can't think of anywhere I'd rather play than Melbourne, really. Um, Sandbelt courses, the terrain's perfect, the design's great, and you can be a, mem- a member of a course there without having to take out a second or a third mortgage like you have to do over here. <laughs> I can't afford to be a member of a decent golf course in, in the United States. Uh, I moved to New York in 88 thinking that, oh, I'll see how I like it here. If I like it, I'll join one of those courses out on Long Island. <laughs> 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 no. The, one, the, ones no. That, the ones that I might, 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 and I certainly, I don't think anybody that's not in the finance business can afford to play golf in New York. Well, it, in fact, it's a point yeah. you made in the, the interview that I read with you was it, it's quite remarkable that the attitude towards golf in the UK is that it's seen as an elitist game, yet it's far more accessible than in America and affordable mm. than it is in America where it's not. It's, it's an odd conundrum, Absolutely. isn't it? It is. It is a conundrum. And, and, and I think you've got the best of both worlds in, in Australia. You seem to keep the price down. I know for a fact that, you know, a course like Metropolitan, for example, which is pristine, you know, in terms of the way it's, it's, it's manicured, basically. Uh, and yet they spend probably no more than one tenth that Merriam would spend. Yeah, exactly. In fact, it's almost yeah. too pristine. I was almost a bit guilty I, I, I walking say, on the fairways. That would, that would be my, my argument with Metropolitan. It always looks a bit too... I don't know. It needs, needs a bit messing up, if you ask me. It's not quite right, is it? I, I said to Clades, I'm, I'm a thinner at the best of times, a blader, but there's no way I could take a dividend metro. I'd just feel guilty about uh, <laughs> about messing up the grass there. Where do you play your golf now, Lloyd? And uh... I play golf uh, about 10 miles away from where I'm talking to you now on on, on, a, on a small, they call it a mountain. It's a big hill by the, uh, by the highway. It's a course called... Uh, it's called Wyckoff Country Club. It was commissioned by Mr. Wyckoff in about 1915. Donald Ross built it. Mm. Unfortunately, there's only about three Donald Ross holes left because they built they built I-91 through it. Uh, and a guy called Al Zikarus, who destroyed many golf courses in the 1960s and 70s, redesigned it. And it's I call it six 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 because of the devil. Um, <laughs> six good holes, six okay holes, and six terrible holes. And but a very nice, a very nice membership, and ten minutes from my door, and cheap. This is what I was about to say to you. I'm not in a similar. Sense. I'm a member of a course that gets no architectural recognition, all and nor mm. should it. But they're a great bunch of blokes. Golf is more than just about the courses, and that's one element of it. It's one aspect that we can enjoy when we travel and whatnot. But it can't be the totality of your golf experience, can you? It's more important who you play with than where you play in many ways. I think. I think that's the thing that I've realised most in the last. 10, 15 years. I mean, I've, I was probably one of those awful people with a bucket list trying to tick off all the great courses that I could play. A little while ago, I realized I'm never going to be able to tick them all off. And I also realized that I'd rather play with somebody that I enjoy playing with than play sandwich with somebody I don't want to play with. Yeah, well, Bamboogle Dunes on your own is nice, but golf with your best mate at your home club is nicer in a way, isn't it? It's uh... Bamboogle Dunes on your own in, in in torrential rain and wind it can be at least quite amusing. Which is where you, what, you did it in torrential. Did you not? Did you do it in the I torrential did. I was, rain? I was, I was the only guy out there, and after nine holes, I said, well, you can <laughs> you can keep this stupid push cart thing because that keeps getting blown away. I just went and played the back nine with four clubs in my hand. Funny you should say that because I actually bought one of those after playing at Barn Boogle to use it on a hilly course. I found it terrific. I wasn't happy to hear you maligning the big wheel. It's a terrific game. Uh, oh, no, it kept, it kept, kept running away. Yeah, it would it would do in uh, when it howls down there. What a Barn Boogle is, though. Barn Boogle is, I think, it might be the best golf course in the world. Ooh, big wow. Point. It might be. It might, it might. It just might be. Tease that out for me. Why? It's the most fun. It's open to anybody. It's cheap. It's 
conditioned perfectly in terms of it's not they've not spent more money than they need onto it. Every day is a different challenge. Sometimes during the round, the wind is changing so much. It's you know it's it's a it's it's a links course down where the weather's better. Uh, but no, there's not there's not a single hole on the 18 that isn't fantastic. Oh, Clates, mm. it's a huge rep for you, Clates. You had a hand wow. in building it. What was I, I, I've been saying to Clates for a while. I think it's it's certainly number one in Australia. I don't think Royal Melbourne, East or West, can 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 stand next to it. The composite may be, but I don't I don't call the composite a proper course. So you're not planning mm. to play tour here anytime soon, then? Obviously, Lloyd, you feel quite comfortable to say that because you can get hung out to dry in Australia for saying Royal. Uh, not I, think, I think I think I'm already banned from several Adelaide courses. <laughs> Fair enough. Clates, your thoughts on that? That's a pretty big rap for you and obviously Tom Doak, the two of you worked on Barnburger Dunes. Best course in the world, would you? Uh... Oh, have we still got Clates? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, um, yeah, look, I obviously really like it. I think it's really good. I think there are lots of good holes. Perhaps you could argue that it's a bit, because of the shape of the property, it's a bit sort of back and forward so you get long runs of holes into the wind or down the wind, but you get that at St Andrews too. I think Lost Farm next door is a little, you know, it's a different shaped property, so you don't get those, you know, the holes take off at different angles at much more frequently, so you tackle the wind um, in, f- from different directions more often than you do the course across the river. But look, it's a terrific course. It's the, the, the most important thing it did in Australia was give everybody in the country a chance to play two arguably top 50 courses in the world. For a reasonable price, and you've never been able to do that in Australia. You can do that in England you, you, or Britain. You can go and play at St Andrews. America, if you can afford it, you can play Pinehurst or Pebble Beach. But in Australia, you, you you never really could. So that's you know whether it's the best course in the world or in Australia is one thing. But the fact that it gave every golfer in Australia a chance to play a great course was the, its most important legacy, really. Just its, it's educational input for the golfing population. I'd, I'd probably agree with that. Shaq, it, it raises an interesting question. What does make I mean, it's, it's all, obviously it's impossible to say what is the best golf course in the world, and it's great bar talk when we come out with these lists. But based on what Lloyd said there, what are the elements that go into making, well, for you, I suppose, uh, a great golf course in that case? Well, I, I he described... I think the best golf experience in the world, mm-hmm. and it, it may just be that. Uh, I don't know architecturally. I'm a believer in in match playing uh, courses, even though some people really hate that. I think it's an interesting exercise. I'd love to match play it with the composite uh, course and go head to head because usually it ends up telling you quite a bit about a course. Um, I, I thought both. I think it's the best 36 hole uh, complex on the planet. Uh, I don't think it's really. I mean, Wingfoot's very good, but uh, but this is it's it's incredible. And, and when you look at it as having two golf courses and the whole package. Uh, and by the way, there's that great post on Golf Club Atlas from a few years ago. I think David Kelly did it and priced it out. The a, a weekend trip from Los Angeles there was was more affordable than a weekend trip to a lot of American golf resorts which was 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 really a sad statement about our uh, <laughs> our state of affairs here in resort golf yeah. um but uh i i i'm i'm not sure i'd say it's the best course in the world but it's certainly one of the very best it's it's got some extraordinary holes the accessibility ish- issue is interesting isn't it Shaq? we have this debate often down here in australia's a course called elliston built by kerry packer which is open uh, only to yeah. uh, those who are invited by the packer family to go and play it and the debate is always whether it should be included in the list or not clates has played it and it's a good track i think we'll get clates's thoughts on it but 
but I think that point of Lloyd's about it being accessible, is that important for a golf course, I suppose, in overall? It doesn't change the layout, obviously, but as far as overall ranking, if nobody ever gets to see it, what's the point of a great golf course, I guess? Well, that's true, but I, I tend to leave that out when looking at just pure architecture. I think when you have to study the design and you want to come to a conclusion, you have to forget about that. Mm. Yeah, um, I guess it's not bad. Augusta's not bad. <laughs> yeah. You can't call it a bad course just because we can't play it. No, no, no. Right. I suppose not yeah. a bad course, Lloyd, but we're, how important is that? I suppose is accessibility, should that be something that, that goes into the total rating of a golf club or course, I suppose? Probably not, I guess. Based on I guess not. I guess not when you when, uh, – but there's, there's, there's something about the experience of visiting a course yeah. that has public access. Mm. The experience mm. is better. I mean, yeah. I, I, played, I played Marion once. I felt like I had to watch every single syllable that came out of my mouth in case I said the wrong thing. I think I stepped briefly underneath uh, something overhanging by the clubhouse when my hat was on and I almost got expelled. Uh, uh, I I don't enjoy it. So that is is a negative from my my point of view. I mean, I always think that when we're thinking about rating a golf course, how good it is. Really, golf is supposed to be fun. So how much fun you have playing golf. And a part of that is the architecture. Part of it is how you're challenged. But part of it is the experience of being there. Yeah, the golf experience. And I have to say, I had more fun at Pinehurst than I had at Marion because, because Pinehurst, you, you didn't feel like you had, you had to worry about anything. And, and the golf was great as well. You know, that, and that's the case at uh, Muirfield versus North Berwick. Uh, I mean, they make you just feel awful and you, you, you want to you leave. And uh, it couldn't be more... Opposite at uh, at Gullen or North Berwick, they just they they welcome you and the town welcomes you and and it does make the whole day uh, significantly better. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Uh, and I've got to the point now, you know, I'm 53. I, I don't, I just don't, I don't want to go to those places anymore. Yeah. Well, Pine Valley is another another uh, mystery. It's a phenomenal experience in every way except one. Which Tim Fincham tried to reference recently, very unsuccessfully, but uh, great people pace of, play? pace of play. And the one thing, though, when you're there, they're 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 rushing you around the golf course. And we were maybe I don't even want to say a half hole behind the last time I was there. And somebody came out of the pro shop to just give us a little reminder. We were we were slipping behind. We were on the ninth tee, and they were up on the ninth green. And I I started to go, wait, they're right there. We're we'll get them. We'll we'll catch up and. And it's like, gosh, guys, you know, this is wow. you're getting to play Pine Valley. You, you know, that that really kind of takes you out of your your rhythm because, and it's so out of character with the rest of the place. They're so nice to you in every other way, and everything's relaxed and genteel. And so, all these places, every place has their quirks, of course. But mm. uh, but it does impact your thinking. I mean, I've always wanted to do a rating of greatest golf experiences, but of course, what the four of us would consider a great experience is very different than probably what most people. Uh, would would count as a great experience. Did, so. did you read yeah. Jeff Ogilvie's My Shot, Shaq? Yeah, and that, that which just one of nails the four, it right there. That's right. Which one of the four snobs were you? I picked my oh, stuff immediately. Oh, you know which one? It's the, uh, <laughs> the one about the hickories. I, I don't have it here, but yeah. I forgot what we're called, but yeah. uh, I think we all uh, fell into I was that a, one. I was a morph of the hickory and the, and the architecture. <laughs> you're yeah, you're yeah, two yeah. types of golf snob in one. Yeah, I <laughs> That's am. That's just yeah, greedy. But I, but I just, I can tell you, in my 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 modern clubs, there's some pretty old ones in there. I'm definitely not the new driver guy. No, I'm not the new driver guy either. Thankfully, uh, I can't see I can't see the point of that. Shaq, what's your take on all of that? The golf experience, I guess, because you're not one who pushes the pace of play thing like the Pine Valley thing. I know that you think the pace of play argument's a little bit 
bit moot. You can get carried away with that. But just on that discussion there, the, the, the experience of golf, I suppose if you're going to play golf, it can't be just about the course, can it? Or can it? Uh, no, I no, I do. I think the, the entire... Ex- oh, you said Shaq. Oh, did I? Sorry, Clates. <laughs> I haven't heard from Clates for a while. Yeah, let's hear from him. Well, Huggy, John Huggin and George Blunt, my friend from New York who plays at Paramount, which is... He was telling me it's $13,000 a year to be a member and it's a really cheap course in New York and it sounds, well, it sounds expensive. But um, we played the East Course at Royal Melbourne. I played with a Tour Ballada 100 that Huggy produced from his bag and it was, wow. we played in three hours and it was, you couldn't have had more fun. I mean, it was brilliant. I mean, the course was great. Doug's done a great job with the golf course. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was golf. and of course, the only bloke who was complaining about the rain, the Scotsman. <laughs> <laughs> it was like pathetic. I mean, come on, Huggy, you're Scottish and you're bitching about the rain. Just hit the ball and shut up. So it was, um, you yeah, know, that was about as much fun as you could have playing golf. Fantastic stuff. I wish I'd been there but, uh, the only day last week. I mean, it's just, uh, you, you mentioned something there, Lloyd, and I was thinking about it while you were all talking. You sort of talked about Augusta not being a bad course. I wonder, were it not for the Masters, how much we would really know about Augusta and where it would stand. Because in, in some ways, the Augusta is accessible, isn't it? Because we watch it on television every year. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, I probably know that course better than almost any course mm. other than the ones that I've been a member of. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that is that is. I mean, I did. I, I can I can tell you how how I feel about it. I, even though uh, probably ninety nine times out of a hundred, I'd probably say you know that there's there's no way I'd want to play that place because uh, because I'd have to you know I'd have to brown nose somewhere other to get on it. But but for for about three months last year, I thought I was going to be able to play Augusta because oh. I know a guy whose dad won the Masters, and and he suggested to me that he could get me on. And I thought it meant playing, but he just meant getting me into the Masters. <laughs> so I spent three months thinking I'm going to play Augusta in the next couple of months. I'm very and and, and I had to admit I was bloody excited. There might be a song in there, Lloyd. That is a tragic story. Yes, it is, isn't it? <laughs> he was very apologetic, actually, when he finds, He said, did I really lead you to believe Oh, dear, oh, dear. I was like, oh, well, I, that's the way I took it. It's one of those where we take the high moral ground, I wouldn't play there even if they asked me. And if someone ever asked you, you'd be there in a shot, wouldn't you? That's the truth of it. Cause actually, this, I, if somebody asked you, that mean, that was mean that they, they, would, they would probably want to play with you and you'd probably have a great time. Yeah, it's well, just, you know, when, you, you know, when you've got to get your, 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 your stockbroker from, <laughs> from New York's best friend's best friend friend i got invited to pine valley a couple of years ago and i had to turn it down hey? because I had, I had a gig in t- toronto couldn't cancel can't cancel mm. a gig that's two yeah. songs wow that that's hurt. a tragic yeah. tale this music's really getting in the way of your golf it's, isn't it it ruins my life yeah that's exactly right exactly right uh let's move on what's what's uh what's your favorite sort of or your what what's your favorite course or your favorite well we obviously we know barn boogle you think is one of the what are the, what do you like what do you look for in a golf experience that makes you walk away and say that's good obviously marion with the having to watch your p's and q's isn't up your alley it is for some people some people love that sort of thing but uh, i'm tend to be more like you but when you sort of you know, you're mapping out a world tour and you're thinking well i'm going to go and play somewhere perhaps somewhere you haven't played before what are you looking for uh to satisfy your golf itch um difficult to say really um I like all kinds of golf courses. I'm definitely not a, a purist. Uh, I had I actually had a fun day at the Australian once. Just so it was in good company. It was a good match play match. You know, we had a good. You know, I think I was playing for ten dollars or something. It went to the 18th. So even that can be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think I do think the word is fun. So I mean, I mean, if you're playing with a good friend, it maybe doesn't matter what course you're playing as long as you have a good match. But if you're if you're just visiting somewhere. 
then the course has got to there's got to be charm. And uh, I was thinking of the courses that I played in the last year. I played Dupin in the Netherlands, and I played Woking. And I can't think of two courses that are more fun and have got so much charm and draw you into the game. And make they make you want to play. They make you want to shape shots. They make you want to try. I was I was playing with a case of the you know what's that you're not allowed to say the the word when I was at Dupin with the putter or with the big clubs. With the big clubs, I was hitting. I was hitting. A, a, I'd be 130 yards from the green. I was like, I think I can just bump a little hybrid in here. <laughs> hybrid? You don't carry hybrids, do you? Don't no, play I, with clays if you carry a hybrid. I just tell you what, if you've got a case of the, you know what, yeah, you, yeah. you you want a couple yeah. of hybrids in the bag. You know, I had a great. I had so I think charm, and and obviously, you know, a good a good design's got variety, but it makes you want to play the game. It makes you want. It makes you want to challenge yourself. Mm. And what's been your design education? I'm guessing that you've done some reading. You seem to be in tune with sort of Clates and Shack, and which I've sort of come to think is, you know, width is a good thing, and you know, uh, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with the with the with the current, with sort of the current mindset, as they would call it. You know, width width is a great thing. I think I bought. It might have been. Oh, I think I bought Tom Doak's book in, in the the late nineteen nineties when I was still living in New York, and that really made me want to read. And then I bought a bunch of Jeff's books, actually, The Captain, um, Lines of Charm, and I just started reading everything. Really, I think I've read, I think I've, there's not really very much out there that I haven't read. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I got to the point about five or six years ago that I just started thinking, well, I don't really need to study anymore. I sort of know what it is that I like about the game, and 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 now I just I enjoy the game more, and and I don't even like I said I don't I don't have a bucket list anymore. I'm I'm, I'm more interested in I want to, my my goal in the next couple of years is to try and persuade the owner of my club to let me help him redesign it because it could be it could go from being a Doke one right now to being a Doke three if he lets me. <laughs> Weren't you uh, early on? I got to know you. You were very passionate about the uh, kind of the anti cart walking. Um, oh yeah, movement. yeah. In fact, the only letter that I ever had. Published in a golf magazine, I uh, when the uh, when the Casey Martin thing was going on. Ah, that's right. God, I got in a bad mood about that because, you know, the USGA was saying golf's a walking game, the PGA Tour was saying golf's a walking game. So I called up every single club that was hosting uh, either a PGA Tour event or a USGA Tour event that year, and sixty or seventy percent of them told me I couldn't walk <laughs> if, if, I, if I visited there. And I and I and I and I wrote to Golf Digest and said. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, mm. and, yeah, and and they printed it. Yeah, if I'm going on holiday, I will, uh, especially in America. Obviously, I will call ahead and they'll say, "Can I walk or not?" And if they say no, I'll say, "Well, that's the, the exact reason that I'm not coming to your club." Um, what most sort of, of percentage my, do you reckon say you can't walk? Um, well, it, it, I, I'm not sure if it's a very. I'm, I'm not sure if it's a fair way to to to. To criticize certain courses, because, for example, if you play golf in Arizona, it's too hot to walk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, my, my 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 argument is, you just shouldn't play golf in Arizona. <laughs> if you have to, you have to ride a cart. It's not golf yep. for me, and and, that, and that's really the kind of the bottom line. I'd rather not play than ride a cart. Wow, that you're a real sticker. I'm not quite that bad. No, I'm not, I, I, I just don't, I don't enjoy it. I've yeah. tried. All my friends uh, up on the on the mountain, they all ride carts. Every now and again, we'll be going out, and they'll say, "Well, it's carts today." So I say, "All right." Get in. and after a while, I'd say, "You know what? If 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 I'm the number that means it's carts today, I'll I'll, I'll stay on the practice ground." And why uh, do you think a, that is, Lloyd? 
I mean, that's a pretty hard, hard line attitude. And I know Clates is probably pretty much the same. I know he has pl- I saw a photo of him in a golf cart once, which I never brought up because it was awful to yeah, see. That, but yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the photo. yeah, that's right. But, but why do you, why, why Lloyd, why is the walking so important? And, and do some people not get it by not understanding that? Well, there's a, there's a rhythm to a round of golf which is completely ruined by the cart. Mm. There's time in between your shots to to a. Well, if you, from the, the the fun of you know playing a, you know, a long hole after you've hit a really good drive, <laughs> you were walking up there. <laughs> it's just a great you know it's a great feeling, uh, and, and also you're thinking about your next shot. You're feeling the wind. You're you're enjoying the experience of playing golf. You might as well just play video games if you want to ride around in a cart. Mm. Uh, but 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 it is the rhythm of the round. The most important yeah. thing is, and it's the feeling of the, it's the interaction between the human body and the grounds that you play on. That's completely yeah. removed by the cart. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it, Clates? Professional golfers never ride carts, and I know Nicholas has said many times that the worst thing he could do for his golf was to ride in a cart because it throws out his rhythm and all those things that Lloyd's talking about. So simply from a playing and scoring perspective, which I know a lot of people are hung up on much to your sort of chagrin in that way, Clates, but if you want to score your best, you probably should walk the golf course. Well, and you don't interact with the people you're playing with either. I mean, we the three of us walked around yesterday carrying our clubs, just having fun, talking. You know, you, you, if there are two carts in a group, they're over there and you're over there and you never... I mean, Lloyd says he doesn't like it. I hate it. I, mean, I just almost refuse to play now. In fact, in fact, there was a prime at the National a couple of years ago where... You were supposed to play in a cast. And I was in a car with another pro, and he was over there. And I, so I just thought, I'll carry my clubs. And the PGA, when I got him, were going to penalise me for not playing in a car. <laughs> How would that have gone? Down? Just, I just, I just detest wow. playing golf in a golf mm. course. It's just a pointless experience. I just don't yeah. get it. Of course, the other thing is you spend half the time playing the other person's game, don't you? Because you drive to their ball and see yeah. what they're going to do before you go to your ball and all those, uh, all those. And it's no quicker. In fact, it's probably slower. Mm. It's definitely slow. There's only one. There's only one guy at my club who can play quicker in a cart than I can walk, yeah. and he's a very good player. When you work on old traditional golf courses where golf carts have now become a part, and in Australia, you know, it's got cart fleets, but there are still twenty or thirty carts or forty cart pubs going out there. You've got to start. How do you? There's little tiny green sites, and you've got to. Where do we put the cart path? Or where do we? Where are the carts going to go? And they trash the, you know, the openings of the greens, and I mean, it's just. They're nightmares to try and design around for you when you're redoing old golf courses because there's no, you know, they weren't ever designed with cars in mind to drive, no. you know, driving around a golf course in a car. I mean, what a ridiculous concept. It is. Uh, I must say, I'm trying to imagine. I played Royal Melbourne West for the first time last week, Shaq, which was just fantastic. I can't imagine what it would have been like in a golf. I mean, they tend not to allow it. Yeah. You need a medical certificate, but. I, I can't imagine what that would be like. I mean, it would kind of spoil it in a huge way. One of the expenses of golf carts, of course, Clates, that we never talk about is the expense of actually putting the pads in. What is it for an 18-hole course and a new build these days? They, they say between 800000 and a $1 million in Australia to build a golf cart course that goes right around the entire layout. Yeah, we did one at Hills. They, they put cart pads in at Hills on a 5,000-metre course, but uh, it was a $1 million, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. never think about that when you think of the cost of golf and how carts no. might, uh, might add to that, don't you? So, yeah, bizarre stuff. And, of course, all the revenue that that adds to the it goes back into maintaining the course to well, undo the damage that the carts do. The damage they do to the turf is, is yeah. just incredible. Especially. And it, it doesn't ever get talked about either. Especially when it's wet. Lloyd, what's your sort of take on the state of the game? I mean, modern golf is, uh, we've probably talked about some of this already, but modern golf is about buying the new driver and 
getting the latest. Well, you're a hybrid carrier. I haven't gone there yet, but I'm sure we'll get there one day. But you, you take on the, the sort of the modern game for the average player, not the professional game. We'll come to professional golf and you're interested in that. But for the for the average player, what's your sort of take on golf uh, on, the, on the way we do it these days? I, I sort of roll with it. Uh, for a little while, obviously, a couple of years ago, I... I got it in my head that, that, that playing with hickory clubs was a was a purer form of the game, but uh, you know it, I think it comes down to fun, and 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 the new driver does actually make you feel like you're gonna hit it a little bit better. The game's all about confidence, so I think you know treat yourself every now and again to a new driver. You will swing a little better for a while until the honeymoon's over and you realize that it was just the confidence that you had with a new driver and it didn't really go any further than your old one. But I don't I really don't have a problem with that side of the game. What I have a problem with is people talking about growing the game of golf when they're talking about growing the golf industry. Ah, oh, Lloyd, what music to my ears. And I think we should just be honest about these type of things. You know, the the the, the new drivers right now. I almost, I almost, I almost did write to Golf Digest recently because I saw their their latest list of the best drivers. The editor said, "Well, we decided that these days, uh, no driver is going to be in the hot list unless it's adjustable. Every new driver should be adjustable." What a bunch <laughs> of nonsense! Just absolutely. I mean, talk about a hideous gimmick to try and to try and you know now they can't make the, the driver go any further. Because they've hit that limit in terms of what they can get out of the technology now, and so that the the next thing was the club has to be adjustable. My driver's adjustable, but I threw away the thing to adjust it. I don't want to adjust it. It's square. What the hell difference? What? what why would I not want my driver to be square? Oh, apparently. Oh, let's not go there. While you might not want it to be. You know what I mean? I mean, so that side of things. Mm. Yeah, it's. It, it, but you know, I remember. I remember Crookshank clubs in the 1970s that's supposed to be anti-slice. There's going to be. There's going to be gimmicks all the time. There's going to be. There's going to be snake oil salesmen trying to try trying to make a quick buck in golf all the time. No, I don't think that's really changed, and it, it's just part. That's just part of it. Mm. Uh, you know. Mm. So I, I, I take it all with a kind of a pinch of salt. I, 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 I do play with golf clubs that are easier to hit than the blades that I collect. I've got some Mizunos that do have a pretty darn big cavity on the back, and and they and they do they do help me a little bit. What's in your collection? You said you collect blades. What do you got? I think I've got I think I've got one of every Hogan blade, and I've got one of every Wilson sand wedge, uh, except the one that Tom Watson chipped in with because they still cost a fortune. Um, I've got quite a lot of uh, ping putters. I've got a set of ping I twos that my son actually now plays with by choice. Copper. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. The big, yeah. Just bought a uh, set myself three weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great club. Um, I've got a few. I, I, I probably I used to used to have about twelve pro bags that sat in the basement and they were all full. I decided a few years ago that we want to move to an apartment soon. So I think I've got it down to it fits in about five bags in my collection now. So you'll be looking at a storage unit somewhere when you move to your apartment. By the sound of it, I'm actually looking to get in touch with the pro at Crail who collects uh, who collects uh, old clubs as well, and asking him if he might take my collection and look after them for me. Yeah. You, you, I want them to play uh, as well. But I've got about I've got about four playable full sets of blades and uh, and persimmon woods, so you can just go out and play with them. That's what they're for. Hmm. Well, Clayton, you're into the still into the persimmon and the, the old blades. I think you're using a set of Hogan's. Last time I saw you, were you not old blades? Uh, no, I got a set of Titleist, but I played with my old uh, McGregor three wood yesterday, which was with a with a, with a ballada ball. It was beautiful. Hmm. You know, if you that hit forward, it, you know, that was working well in in Adelaide. Yeah, you know, if you hit it in the heel, you hit it in the heel. It doesn't go any good. 
you know, you don't get away with anything. But but when you hit a great shot, it's so much more pleasurable. Yeah, Clay. Uh, sorry, Clay. You've played with Lloyd. Give me a quick synopsis of his game oh, and, what's in, what's in, and what and what's enjoyable about it. Well, we just play golf. We just play the golf course. Talk about the golf course where you have matches. Well, I normally beat him, but he plays because because he doesn't give me enough shot because I don't give him enough shots. But he Lloyd plays well. You know, but but it isn't about the golfing yet. It's about just walking and hitting balls and talking and sort of thinking about the course and what the holes are doing and discussing the holes. And I guess that's kind of what I was getting at because Lloyd sounds to me like just a average kind of golf nut who happens to be famous because of his music. Is that on the money? Um, I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a, I am, I am. I suppose I'm a, I'm a golf nut, but I'm a student of the game up mm. to a point. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and 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 the enjoyment of the game is greater from the studying. Mm. But I I, but I, but I, like I said, I got to the point a few years ago where I don't really need to get into arguments on Golf Club Atlas about whether flat bottom <laughs> bunkers are better than ones with flash faces. I couldn't, you know, you know, I like I like, uh, you know, I I, I like a, a rainer course and and, and I like a, a dope course. They're very very different usually, but I like them both. Is there a danger you can spoil your own golf by getting too into that side of it where you sort of decide you're not enjoying this because it hasn't got this particular architectural element? I, f- I find that for me, I think, sometimes. I, I find some, peop- some, some people that I play with do that, but no, you should see the state of the course I play. It's awful, mm. but we still have fun. Yeah, fantastic to hear. I didn't mean golf um, not in a derogatory fashion, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the point is that I enjoy playing with people who are interested in golf and I think there are lots of golfers who play golf who are not interested in the game at all, really. They play it, but they're not interested in it. So why I enjoy playing with Lloyd and, you know, Huggy and George and guys like that is because they're interested in golf. Mm. Just golf, just the, whole, the totality of the game and the things that are happening and what happened last week at Metropolitan and, you know, the great bunker shot the kid hit and what's happening, you know, all around the world with the game and how it's going and it's fun. You know, it's interesting and a fun, and a fun game. Mm. But just on a side note, what about the five iron Jeff hit on Saturday afternoon? I stood behind him when he hit that one on 18. That was the best shot I think I've ever seen in my life, live. That was an extraordinary golf shot. Well, as, um, as Harvey Pennick used to say, some of the great shots are preceded by some pretty ordinary ones. Yeah. <laughs> Although the, the pitch out of the bush onto the women's tee on the 10th. Wasn't bad either. When he was playing the 8th, was a hell of a chip out. You're not wrong. Not wrong. It was that was one of the all time. If there's such a thing as a great five, that's what he made on eighteen on Saturday. It was just a shame the putt didn't go in. That would have been one of the all world great uh, fours. Shaq, I think you're about to uh, to ask Lloyd about something, and I butted in there. I apologise for that. Yeah, well, I- I'm curious, Lloyd. You uh, you recorded your new album here in Los Angeles at a studio uh, in the um, uh, director. J.J. Abrams, uh, really cool offices here in Santa Monica, and he's he's directing the current Star Wars movie. And you have been well known for your love of golf uh, as a musician, and a lot of people in music are into golf. But I wonder, I'm curious, because of the way the game is viewed as uh, a sort of a snobbish, uh, aristocratic affair, do you get... Uh, uh, feedback, pushback. Um, do you get a vibe off of people when they see you and you you talk golf, and you, when they really want to hear you talk about your beautiful songs and songwriting and craftsmanship, the way you play and perform? Um, curious if you if you if that makes any sense. <laughs> there, there's a, there's a, there's a there's a school of thought in in the UK 
that says that, that Joe Strummer is a lot cooler than me because he's got something called street credibility. And I have the opposite of that because I play golf and I just mm. say, I basically say, if you, if you want to be small minded and stupid, then go ahead. Mm. <laughs> no, Beautiful Iggy, yeah. Iggy, Iggy Pop plays golf. Nick Cave plays golf. Oh, uh, yeah. Doesn't one of the you know, kiddies from that One Direction, don't that, doesn't one of them play golf? Huggy told us. Yeah, yeah Harry Styles is addicted. I mean, yeah. he's you know, unbelievable. It's a, it's, a fa- it's a fabulous, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic game. You know, I mean, it's, I just think of the experiences in my life that, that, have, that have made my life richer, that have, that, have, that have come through golf. And there's an awful lot of them. Mm. Port Monica in the early 1990s, we, got, we had the very first tea time. In fact, I'm not sure if they were even if they have tea times there. Just the pro shop wasn't open when we got there. They were just getting getting started, and so I said, well, "We should pay." And they are, oh, you can pay when you're finished. Wow, that's <laughs> about probably the green for the green fee for our foursome would you know would have been somewhere in the region of six hundred pounds, and we could have just we could have just got in the car and gone. Yeah. And you know, and we've, we've, we finished the round, and it was. V- Oh, it was a vicious day. It was a fantastic fun. I think we had a bet that no, none of us would break ninety, and I think I shot ninety-one. And uh, uh, just a fantastically fun day, though. And I got to the to the to the uh, pro shop afterwards and thanked him so much for letting us go out, paid up, and told him what a great time we had. And and the pro said, "Hi, it's the best." <laughs> 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 I just I, I just thought what a wonderful what a wonderful job to to be the pro at a course that you think is the best yeah, course. Wonderfully mm. succinct. It's interesting that the. the the difference in culture, which we touched on right at the beginning, Lloyd. I know I went in 97, myself and BJ, who's the editor of Golf Australia magazine down here, who both Clates and I write some stuff. And I think you've been published in Golf Australia magazine, if I recall. I am. Uh, I'm an award-winning journalist. Award-winning, that's right. You're an award-winning journalist. But the difference in culture to me was really obvious, even different to Australia and Scotland, and probably more particularly Ireland. It might have been Port Marnock, where... The staff almost, we were saying the same thing, effusive in our praise, and thanks very much, and it was fabulous to play the course, and they were almost thanking us for coming from the other side of the world to experience it, as yep. though we'd, you know, as though we'd done something for them. I've never encountered that on a golf course in Australia or, you know, Scotland was a bit the same. The, the starter at St Andrews, you know, we, we met him in the pub one night, and he was like, oh, you haven't played yet, come and see me, we'll do everything, they couldn't wait to get you on the golf course, and that's the opposite of what we found in England. I thought, and probably to an extent here in Australia and certainly America by the sound of it, and it's so much more welcoming, I found. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a feeling that a lot of the top courses around the world that they tolerate visitors because they know it keeps their, 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 their subscriptions down. But no, it, it, you, do, you do run into quite a lot of places in Ireland that are like that. Mm. Uh, and it is, you know, it's a cliche, but it's true. Mm, yeah, fantastic stuff. Where is, oh, I've already asked you your favorite places to play Well, golf. let me uh, follow up with another music question. Have you written a golf song? I don't believe you have. Um, that's, been, that's been recorded and, and available. No, I've, I've, I got Garden City into a song once. Um, and, and, I, and I have a working I have a working title for a song called "Old Girl by the Sea." Ah, yes. Mm. So um, before I'm finished, I think I'll probably finish "Old Girl by the Sea," but only the only the four of us will realise that it's about St Andrews. <laughs> ah, well now, nice. or, all six of us, because both of our listeners will know as well, Lloyd. I know <laughs> that was. And you're uh, you're you're you. Where did your Ben Hogan? Uh, I won't call it an obsession, but your interest in Hogan is. Uh, is pretty extensive uh, from from what you told me. Where did that come from? I just think he's, most golfers are pretty dull characters, aren't they? You know, and, yeah. uh, and, and and reading about golfers, you know, I'm Hagen, Hogan, Jones. They just they, they're captivating reading. Reading. Yeah. 
I love Jones. Well, Jones is probably the best golf rider that's ever lived, and he's and he was a player as well. Yeah. Uh, in terms in terms of his pros, he's fantastic pros, and, and the way to the way to the way that Jones would find a way to just coin something you know, like a basic concept, he would he would he'd find the perfect sentence for it. Didn't you have something on your website the other day where he said something about par is just a thing that to, to mess with your head? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's you know that's what I'm thinking about. You're talking about the Australian next week. It, it is just the idea of making a bogey on a hole messes with your head, whereas you th- where you think a par is better. But in the end, it, it's, it's it's the lowest number that wins. Yeah, four shots yeah. is four yeah. shots, isn't it? And yeah. It's easy to – but it is easy to get caught up in that, isn't it? I know I've been guilty, and I'm sure you probably have too, where, you know, you if someone tells you that's a par five and you've had four shots, you feel better than if they told you it was a par four and you had four shots. It's crazy, isn't it? But it does get into your head. Does, also, yeah. and, and, and sorry to – I didn't quite answer your question. The, 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 the Hogan thing also, I think – it's pretty mysterious, like how he could yeah. how he could have been such an asshole. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 I mean the, the, the the you know go and ask Mister Dunlop. Is, is that what he said to Gary Player? And then and then Faldo went out of his way to go, you know, to Shady Oaks, and and Hogan just kept on drinking the uh, martini. Didn't even go out and watch him. It's, yeah. it's it's quite strange the way the way he could have become that character. And 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 I was thinking, you know, you got your Dan Jenkins, pal. Well, what? Well, Maybe I think you should get Dan Jenkins to write you a, a letter explaining Hogan that can only be opened after he's dead, um. because then, because then he might be willing to let us know. My theory is that Valerie was bonkers and drove him mad. Yeah, but no, no real, I think, you know, I something like something like that. Must have been going on. You know, what, he built a house with no guest room. Something's going on. Yeah. Well, Dan will defend defend him and say he was great to him and great in person. And 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 one of our old members of Riviera, Bob William, wonderful man, worked in the movie industry. Just swore that he was the nicest man. But he told he told the, a great story that he ran into him in the locker room right before he was about to go tee off, and Hogan essentially told him to go f himself, and then just was turned into this monster. And then after the round, he said, "Oh, by the way, I'd." Sorry, I had to do that. I just had to get mad at somebody. I was nervous, and <laughs> where are we going for lunch, kind of thing. So he definitely had early. I mean, well, he had his whole career. He had these kinds of ups and downs, and he obviously, Kurt Sampson revealed part of uh, what what uh, changed him as a young man with his father's suicide. And, but I've always thought the Valerie thing was was interesting, just because we dealt with her quite a bit in the later years, and she was she was definitely an interesting person to deal with. Yeah. So yeah, uh, uh, and the, you know that that level of, of 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 talent hitting the golf ball, really, it, that 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 that's fun to read about. I mean, stories yeah. about you know there were no seven woods in those days, so he deliberately sky a forward. Yeah. 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 It was. You know, was, we all, I, I guess we always ask ourselves this is if there's been someone better since in terms of controlling the ball. You know, it's hard to imagine. Well, certainly no one's ever. Well, no, would be the answer. I suspect. Uh, to that one. Isn't part of the 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 Hogan mystique, though? Um, I mean, obviously his playing ability was just off the charts. But part of the mystique is that is the mystique, Lloyd. Yeah. Is that we don't know all of that about him. A little bit the way Woods was before the mask was lifted. That that these amazing stories grow up around them and you really don't know and even to this day you've really got to dig which you obviously have deeper than I've I'm, I'm interested in Hogan I find him interesting and you find little tidbits if you really go looking but um, we, we still just really don't know do we a lot of that background stuff he was such a closed book 
Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and and he, he must, he was so good to the people that he was close with that, that none of them will reveal any of the dirt. I'm, I'm sure it's there, but they, you know, they, they've all taken it to their graves. I can't imagine that you could have his upbringing as a, you know, his childhood and not be somewhat affected. That would be weird, yeah. would it not? To be, to not be a bit weird, having been through what he did, I would have thought that'd be yeah, strange. I, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So. And yeah, when you see when you see when you see the picture of him getting the the uh, what do they call the ticker tape uh, parade in New York, he just looks like the all American hero in that in those photographs. Mm. He looks like you you couldn't be more normal. Yeah more handsome or anything. He just looked like he looked perfect. You can see how he yeah. was a perfect sports idol. And I suppose that is, it's that, it's, that, it's that dichotomy, that contradiction which makes him interesting. Somebody like Nicholas is far less interesting because Nicholas seems far more one-dimensionally just, just great at what he did. Mm. Yeah. And there was no such thing as a bad photo of Ben Hogan. I mean, Jules Alexander's book, I mean, there's, there's, yeah. every, every swing position flawless, every, the clothes are flawless. You, you never saw a bad picture of Hogan ever. He was incredibly photogenic, I guess. He, I mean, obviously he had a swing that was beautiful to photograph, but even when he was leaning on his putter on the green, he looked perfect. Exactly. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it is, it's, it's, yeah that, that's that mystique. It's the, it all adds up. Is there a price to pay for that, perhaps, Lloyd, in the sort of mystical, spiritual world? You know, if, if, if God, for want of a better term, gives you all that talent, does it maybe, do you pay the price for that somewhere else? It seems that way, perhaps, with Woods. I don't think God gave Hogan that talent. I think Hogan really did work, figure it out. I mean, he had a terrible hook. He figured mm -hmm. out, I mean, don't read the Ben Hogan book on how to play golf unless you already hooked the ball. It'll ruin your swing. If it, but if you're a good player who's got a hook, the, Hogan's, the Hogan book's a great book mm -hmm. to read. Didn't Hank, uh, didn't Hank Haney say he's never met a good player who didn't struggle with a hook at some point? It's a necessity, isn't it, to be able to hook it? I think, you know, the, the, the thing that, I've, I've never been a good player. That's one of the reasons I think I still like to play golf is I, I, I have this room for improvement still for me. Uh, I, I, I played a fade most of my adult life, and I'm trying to develop a draw and to be a, 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 you know an old guy with a little bit of a draw, so I can sort of roll it along the like, ground I'm when not, I'm playing in life. I'm not sure so it's the hickories like, that have ruined oh, your game. Sorry, Clates? You, you can be like David Duval and turn the most beautiful fade into I need a draw to win at Augusta and disappear off the chart. Oh, yeah. And Martin Keimer as well. Martin Keimer. Yeah, Martin. Well, he's back, though, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. back. Yeah. Adam Scott. Yeah, you know, I played with Adam's dad earlier in the year. And he said, you know, he said the thing that really, I don't want to say finished Adam with Butch because Butch has been a great teacher, but it convinced him he had to try and draw the ball to win at Augusta. And that was why he started playing poorly. He said, you know, he said Nicholas won at Augusta six times with a fade. Why do you have to draw the ball at Augusta? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And to be honest, what what a thing of beauty that golf swing of Adam Scott's is, I must say. I know, why having, would you? <laughs> having just spent a week watching shot after shot, it, it is yeah. aesthetically the most pleasing motion I think a human could undertake. That's and great. possibly possibly the ugliest looking putting stroke in the world. Yeah, oh, it's God, it's just yeah. it's just oh, it's hideous. But, but you know whatever you know, it's it, it was within the rules at the time, and it helped him get confidence with the rest of his game. But I'm obviously, I think I don't think there's anybody here that thinks the long putt is a golf stroke. No, of course oh. not. But I agree with Clayton. and Clayton, you've said it a hundred times, haven't you? That we don't know how good he'll be with the short putter. Once he's forced to go back to it, he might be better. He might be better. Well, I mean, it's, cer it's certainly that the, what he was so bad with a short putter before that it, uh, it, it affected the rest of his game. He lost all confidence. And golf is very much a game of confidence. If you don't, if you don't have, if you know, you know, what's the point hitting the green if you know you're going to miss yeah. the putt? There's no question about that. I mean, I, you know, he still hasn't got one of the world's best. Well, he's got one of the world's best short games, but he don't, he's not in the, the the level of Woods and Mickelson and, and McElroy and some of those short games, is he, Clays? But he hits it so good 
that he can be there and there yeah. out. It's just on his on his hitting ability alone. But with the long putter, he wasn't in the top a hundred ever in strokes gained putting until last year, mm. or perhaps when he started using aim point. So I know Hankani would say, well, he's only putted well since he's been doing the aim point thing, which I don't get, but it seems like it's got some merit. But but he was this year was the first season he was inside the top 100 in strokes gained putting, so it wasn't like he was a great putter with a lot with the long putter. He didn't make much at Metropolitan, did he? If he'd made anything, he would have won by six. Well, he barely made anything the day one at Augusta, except on the 18th green and the 10th green. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. He... Um, and it cost him the British Open. He was dreadful with the, with the British Open. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I just uh, – every time he comes home close and I see him up close, he just impresses me more and more. He really ground that out, those those four. There, were, there was no quit in him at all uh, over those four days, I thought. And he, he never looked a chance to win it until there was an hour to go. And he's sitting in the clubhouse with all of them looking at his name up there going, oh, dear. You know, uh, well, I watched him obviously play the first two days. He played with Ogilvy and Ryan Ruffles and didn't, didn't play very well. I mean, he had a wedge into the – I got in an argument with some clown on Twitter. Who said, really? Well, you know, like you, Clayton. He had to throw under the same pressure he has. It's like he had a 100-yard wedge into the 16th Granite Metropolitan, and then he hit it in a bunker. I've never been in, in that bunker in 39 years of playing that golf course. And it was like, what was that shot? And it was bizarre. We all know, Clayton, so that you're going to be in that golf, bunker next Saturday. Really? <laughs> Believe me, I'll never go in that bunker. The only way I'll go in that bunker is pull a wedge in the left bunker and scull it in there. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably how you're going to end up there now that you've now that you've uh, you've mentioned that. Well, look, on Sunday I followed him down the first hole. He had a beautiful tee shot, a gorgeous mid iron to about six feet uphill, right to left left putt uh, on the first hole. Missed it on the low yeah. side. And it was like wow. It's, for, I mean, for a, for a player at that level, uh, that's a gimme or virtually, you know. Um, and that was kind of the story of his week. So perhaps he'll uh, he'll putt a bit better this week at the Oz with four days under his belt. But yeah, yeah, I think he needs that. Run last week in Melbourne to. I mean, McElroy's obviously here this week, so that'll turn it up a notch because he's he's clearly the best player in the world by a long way now. Wow, he's amazing, McElroy. That'll be something to watch this week. You're obviously a follower of uh, professional golf, Lloyd. Who 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 do you like? What do you think about the state of professional golf with the the Woods factor seemingly off the radar? Uh, this player's all right. Patrick Reed's got a great swing. I kind of actually the outburst made me like him more. Me too. Because um, <laughs> it, it, it reminded me of Curtis Strange, who I used to like in his prime because he was so feisty and fun to watch. I think Curtis Strange used the MF on the golf course one time to to a fan who spoke during his swing. Um, um, I love Stenson. I think Stenson's just great fun to watch. He's got. He just seems to like. He seems like he likes playing golf. Yeah. And I think you know Tiger in his prime was like that as well. Tiger talked about playing the senior tour. Like you know, expecting that he'd be playing golf his whole life. The last five or six years, he doesn't look like he's planning to play the senior tour. Doesn't look like he wants to be there most of the time. Doesn't look, yeah, doesn't look like he wants to be there. Uh, I just watched Lydia Ko mm -hmm. look like Ben Hogan. Yeah, she wow. Just, she just never missed a shot. She didn't hit it very close. She just never made a bogey. She just never looked like making a bogey. And she just grounded out, and eventually somebody else stumbled, and she was still standing there with a hundred uh, million and a half bucks. Yeah, she looks she looks really something. Mm. If, you, if you're a kid like my, like my son, I say look at Lydia Ko's swing, copy her swing, don't mm. copy Stenson's swing right now. <laughs> and she seems to be getting great uh, advice, and uh, other than going through the caddy thing, which is a little strange, but uh, Michelle, we did it too. But uh, you know, today she was on Morning Drive, and she said, I, I'm. 
I'm not touching a club for a month. Uh, I might do it for a corporate thing, but otherwise I'm going to go and enjoy the beach and uh, take some time off. And uh, I mean, it just seems like she's she's the whole package in terms of being level-headed and having the full game. It's uh, it's impressive to see. It's it's crucial, isn't it, Clates? And I think this is what Ryan Ruffles has impressed so many people with and Lydia Kay the same. Genuinely nice kid with his head screwed on right and same with her. Not... Not, uh, not emotional. Like... It doesn't get up and down much. Well, I don't yeah. know. It's very level-headed. But, 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 I mean, w- w- no one would go up and down if they never hit a bad shot. I mean, that's Well, that's true. Yeah. Never right. seen it a bad shot. I mean, she, I mean, she just, every time you see her on TV, she was, you know, that playoff yesterday, she just kept hitting it 15 feet right of the hole and waiting for the others to make a bogey. Yeah. You know, you know, so going to miss that short part for birdie on the whatever it was the third time around. But she was just going to par those other two to death. I'm, I mean, you know, if, if they were still playing that hole right now, she'd be going for 148th par in a row. Yeah. And, you know, and the not, way the LPGA but, set it up, they would continue to play that hole over and again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was, uh, what about that? But it's, it's a little I don't. Sad. That was it's, 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 a, it's a big tournament. You think you could leave some cameras on sixteen and seventeen as well? I had these one hole, these one hole sudden deaths are deathly boring. Yeah. I mean, Especially it's a long, hard par four. Yeah, yeah. Well, very hard for you know. It's what well, the wind was playing. They were, they, you know, the, yeah. the old girls except uh, the Spanish girl were coming in with hybrids. She's a flusher. That Sagander, she really hits. She it. is. She really she, she hits it a long way. Sadly, can't putt from what I've seen of her, but uh, doesn't putt well enough for that level. But yeah, she really, yep. she really hits a great. Of course, it does point Lloyd to the fact that professional golf is really about television, isn't it? At, at the golf course, if you were to watch a playoff, you'd want to go 16, 17, 18. But for television purposes, you need to play the same hole over and over again. So golf's be, professional golf has become far more entertainment than golf, which is perhaps one of the differences from maybe the fifties. And sixties, when the the balance was perhaps a bit different. I guess, I guess so, but I, I don't think I don't think they've got it quite right. I mean, they've got enough cameras to leave three lots at th- to build mm-hmm. to still film three holes. Well, Kari Webb had a hole in one in the U.S. Open in maybe two thousand and one, which was not caught on tape. Can yeah. you believe that? <laughs> a par three at a U.S. Open, and because she was out in the early groups, nobody thought to just turn the camera on just in case for each group that came through, in case somebody had an ace. So she had a hole in one in the U.S. Open. Nobody ever saw it. It was never captured on film. Wow. Come on. They, they didn't get Savvy's three-word of the Ryder Cup. I mean, I don't care about Kyrie Webb's holding one. Come on. I mean, they missed the greatest shot yeah. ever hit. Yep. Yeah. I, I remember, I remember going, going, where is this? And then finally figured it's, it was yeah, no, it was never on film. Yeah. It's just beyond belief. that And then they shot Savvy from behind the wall in Switzerland. They got the chip in, but not the – I mean, the two greatest shots the greatest ever played hit. Um, and they missed them. I mean, jeez. Yep. Someone had to lose their job for both those deals, didn't they? Yeah, I you don't think so. Oh, you would think so, but I don't think so now. No, I'm sure they didn't. But the Ryder Cup wasn't so big in 1983. Well, see, that's the thing, and we, we kind of expect it now, don't we? That we get so much television coverage. One of the things that hurts us down here, isn't it, Clates? I mean, you, you go out to watch the golf, and you know, the modern golf fan, you know, the 15-year-old, has grown up with Fox Sports with golf on the television every week. He yeah. expects to see in every field Mickelson, Woods, yeah. McElroy, <laughs> Johnson. You know, that that's the expectation. And if you don't have all of those. A lot of people won't get off their bum and go out and watch it. There was decent crowds at Metropolitan. It had a week. nice crowd. It looked like Sunday. Yeah, it was okay. It was yeah, okay. I, but... I, I know it with a guy who was saying, you know, the golf's boring, the field's not very good. I said, well, if you're bored watching Adam Scott, Ryan Ruffles, and Jeff Ogilvie playing golf, you're bored with, you know, it's what, what they say about London, you're bored with life. I mean, yeah. you can't, yeah. I'm watching Adam, Jeff, and Ryan Ruffles play golf on a fantastic golf course. I mean, get a life. Yeah. Boy, I mean, wow. 
And not just them. There was some fabulous golf played by, you know, I, I really enjoy watching the lesser known players as yeah, well. And yeah, it they, was. They, you know, they make their way around the golf. Boo Weekly, what a show he put on. Oh, what, what a swing he's got. What a, what a oh, beautiful. Had a good yeah. I mean, he played with Bowditch and who did he play with the first? He played with Todd, Todd Sinnott. Yeah. Todd was hitting three wood past Badge and Boo Weekly's driver, but. I mean, he didn't miss it. He was, he's like the worst. Well, he's a, he putted dreadfully, but, I mean, he didn't yeah, miss he a shot for the, the 18 holes I saw him what play. That, he was just... What about that nifty little pitch he hit into the... Was it the eighth? The, seventh? Yeah, the fifth. I fifth. Mean, he, was, he was beautiful to watch. Yeah, what yeah. a player. He, wow. Yeah, I agree. And he's going to be there at the Australian this week, which will be terrific. Just on the... You, you mentioned, Clates, you know, Lydia Coe, she's never hit a bad shot. I interviewed Ryan Ruffles last year, uh, earlier this year, and at the Australian Open last year, he had a shocking start in the first round and then yeah, made the big comeback, which was the story of the day. On the eighth hole in the first round, he topped a three-wood, Lloyd. This, he was 15 at the time, playing off plus four, I think, and took the game up at 12. And he was six over after seven. Six over after seven. He topped a three-wood, I think it was on the eighth hole or maybe the one of the par fives before. And he looked at his caddy because he had never topped a ball before. Yeah. <laughs> Ever. Well, let me tell you a story about his sister. We had a, we had a little golf riders dinner on Friday night. And he, his sister's a tennis player because his dad was obviously made the last eight at Wimbledon, was a terrific tennis player, so was his mum. His sister was a tennis player. She's younger than him, 14 or 13 or something. And she hit a few balls and fooled around, but she was at the end of the tennis and she started playing golf. He said, she's been playing for a month. She's on 12. Oh. What? I said, what? He said, yeah, she's been playing seriously for a month. She's on 12. That's some, some, genes, some genes going on there. There's definitely some yeah. genetics going on there. Wow. Well, he's four years and he's off plus six at Royal Melbourne. Four years he's been playing. That's just it's unthinkable yeah. to yeah. me, really. After playing, well, it was two years years. Ago, it, was, it was two years ago we played at Victoria and he parred the, – they're quite – they're medium to long par fours. He parred the second and third holes consecutively and he said – it's the first time I've ever parred those two holes in a row. It was two years ago. <laughs> so he'd been playing two years at the time. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But uh, the thing about him, and there's a lot of, lot of guys who can play golf clays, but he's got the head, it seems to me. He reminds me of McElroy yeah. in so many yeah. ways um, in that yeah, way, off I mean, the course. Yeah, you know, it's, it's early and you don't want to be No, 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 of course you don't. 16-year-old kid would be the best player of all. But, you know, both his parents are professional sportsmen. Dad was a tremendous player, so... You know, Dad was interesting last year at the Australian Open. Ryan got an invite to the Australian Open last year, and Ray said, you know, he said, this is the end of this invite stuff. This is bullshit. You know, he's going to earn his way in from now on. Yeah. And, and, and what a great attitude. You know, there was no expectation that my kid's the next star, and he should be invited to everything, and he should have free clubs and free money. And it was like, you know, next year, you know, if he doesn't prove his, you know, his worth this this week, he's got to earn his way next week on Monday in the pre-qualifying. And, you know, he's, I mean, he's obviously, a, you know, he's, playing better now than he was a year ago. He's been terrific, so he's a, he's a golden child. But That's wrong, you know, his man. dad had no expectation of this kid being given anything, really. Just earn, earn everything you get. Yeah, absolutely. He impresses me, you know, and he's bilingual as well, Shaq, which is really kind of almost annoying, yeah. isn't it? That's just too much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one could only have. Just on that, Clates, I don't know whether you saw it, Lucas Herbert missed the putt to finish in the top ten at the Masters. Oh, how was that? No automatic invite, Lloyd. So this is a young amateur here. He's Australia's highest-ranked amateur. Missed a yeah. putt on the last hole at Metropolitan to finish in the top ten, which would have guaranteed him a spot in the Open this week. Uh, Tried to book a flight to Sydney. Couldn't do it uh, overnight. Got in the family car with his mum and dad. They drove. He slept in the back overnight to Sydney. Teed up in the qualifier in Western Sydney yesterday. Shot 67 and got in the field. Nice. 
That's proper. That's proper. That's that's, that's the way to do it. That's exactly right. I agree, and you know, and good on him. It uh, it'll be great to watch him because he was fabulous. He was I thought. he was really fun to watch uh, on the the Masters, just uh, playing that final day, the camaraderie in the final group, and just the, he's got such confidence, just amazing. He yeah. is an what? aggressive, oh. aggressive player, isn't he? Oh. All the young guys are just so attacks. aggressive, and yeah, Todd the same. They they all swing at a hundred percent constantly. It seems, Clates. Is that yeah. a fair? Yeah. A, a sort of assessment of that that nobody seems to hit a three quarter five iron anymore. Yeah, I, mean, I play with Todd a bit. It's like we Todd take a you know rather than taking a nine, I take a seven iron and just pitch it through the wind, and he does it and he's great at it. But it seems when he when they get in Thomas, it's like you know if it's one hundred and forty eight yards, it's a nine iron shot. You know that, that's what how far my nine iron goes. So it's a nine iron. Well, yeah, your nine iron goes that far, but that doesn't mean it's the right club necessarily. Mm. So they'll. They'll learn that, I guess. I mean, mm. I mean, Peter Thompson was the exact opposite of that. He played golf, but that was, you know, it was a different era when power wasn't the, the be-all and end-all of the game. And but these kids have grown up knowing that power is incredibly important, and they've all got it, so they use it. But there's they've the extra all, dimension. They've grown it, up with these know. drivers that you can go after a lot harder than the drivers that we grew up with. You couldn't go yeah. after a yeah. and drive a hundred, you know, because the, because the difference between a flush and a and a, and a miss hit was so so extreme. Mm. The difference between yeah. hitting the middle of the club on these the modern driver and missing it by three quarters of an inch, it's not that much. No. Can you imagine, Lloyd, had we had the second serve in golf? What a different <laughs> game it'd be then, wouldn't it? Hey. We would have gone well, 100% the, at the driver, wouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> back is, in the day. Is, yeah, yeah it's the, the Japanese golf expression, actually, isn't it? Hit second ball first. Yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. Hey, I missed that. Explain that to me. I've missed that. Hit second ball first. Hit second ball first, yeah. Well, well, well when, I mean, when you've hit out of bounds or in the, and you have to re you always uh, hit, hit second ball first. Second. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, but no, I know Baker Finch has often said it in jest, you know, there's no second serving golf, but if there was, what a different game it would be. What's coming up for you, Lloyd, both golf-wise and music-wise? Because, of course, a lot of people will be um, very interested in your music. Obviously, I'm not that way inclined musically myself, but what's on the uh, Lloyd Cole radar? Uh, very little for a while. I've, I, I released an album that came out in Europe and Australia last summer, and I've been touring almost non-stop since then. It's, uh, I suppose I should be grateful, it's, uh, but I'm a bit worn out. <clears throat> I did my last concert a couple of days ago this year, for this year, and I don't start up again until February next year. So, But I live in an old house that takes all of our money and all of our energy. So <laughs> I've been, I've been, I was working in the basement. I think I'm going to be in the basement every every day this week before I get to take a shower. There's always something to do, and I'm, and I'm working... Uh, Getting started towards uh, ideas for my my next record, I'm, I've got a little synthesizer studio thing up here in in the attic, and I'm going to be I'm going to be trying to create sounds to try and get a sort of create a palette for the next record before I before I before I make it. Is that touring caper harder than it looks from the outside? Harder work? I think it's probably it's quite easy until you're about fifty, and then your body really starts to notice mm. that it's it's uh, you know. It's difficult. It's physically, it's physically wearing, uh, but it's you know it's still enjoyable. I mean, uh, I, I I couldn't have afforded to have come to Australia as many times as I've done the last twelve years if it hadn't been for the fact that I had a tour over there. And then I stay every every tour I do, I tend to stay a week at the end in Melbourne. Yeah, well, so you need to come and live here. Like, come come and live here. Uh, it's uh, it's it's on it's on the. My wife has got too many anchors in America right now, but if those anchors are, uh, they're, well, they're not they're not there forever. So we'll see. 
It sounded to me like you were about to say, I'm thinking about yeah. it. And then you thought to yourself, hang on, the wife might hear yeah. this. I the better, record button is... That's right. Yeah. I better put this no, a little my, more my wife, my wife and I have talked about it. We, do, we don't, we don't want to We don't want to live in, in the US forever. Uh-huh. But we've got issues with children in school and we've got aging relatives, that type of thing. And we, we need to be around for that. Yeah, yeah, of course. But, you know, you know, the long and the short of it is that, you know, those that, that, that won't be forever. Yeah. As soon as we're the oldest people in the family, we can go wherever wherever we want. <laughs> your, your youngest son's gotten hooked. You always kind of sound shocked at his uh, passion and uh, for the game. Why, why is that? Well, he didn't have it for a while. He, wasn't, he, yeah. he didn't show any interest in the game. I would be going out playing, and he was not interested. And then, and then his mother, he's, he's a pretty good student, and his mother said to him a, a couple of years ago, you know, the, the universities are going to be looking for more than just good grades. They're going to be looking to see that you did some sports and other activities. Why don't you give the golf team a try? And, you know, hmm. a couple of months later, he's watching the Golf Channel every day. He's a, he's a huge fan, and... Uh, and he, yeah, he went from being the alternate on his school team to pretty much being the number one player at the end of last year. Mm. So it was, it was very exciting from a parent's point of view. He's he's not going to he's not going to be a, a professional or, or college grade golfer, but he's going he's probably going to be good enough to sort of be in a college B team or something like that. Well, more importantly, yeah. Lord, you'll you'll have golf for the rest of his life as a, as a parent. It, I imagine it, it it's a wonderful thing to be able to share with one of your kids. Oh, his I, golf. I, I, took, I took him. I had a gig in Scotland recently, and I, I took him with me and. Uh, you know, I saw him have his first birdie at Kilspindy. Uh, you know, mm. and that and that was a, uh, yeah, it was it was it was fantastic. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, if we've got something we can do, we can do together. We can, and, and it's also you know when when you've got something like golf, you know, if you need to talk to him about something more serious, you can sort of get to about the twelfth hole before you before you raise it up. <laughs> you know? And depending how many under he is at the time, you might bring it up earlier. Well, I thought, see, I thought you were going to say you, you could wheel out golf metaphors. I'm glad to hear it was more of an on-course uh, discussion and not not uh, metaphorical. Indeed. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, yeah. I remember years ago, Shaq, covering the Australian Girls Junior Championship here in Sydney and, and noticing, it was almost a bit jarring to the eye at first, but noticing and realizing later what a wonderful thing for dads and teenage daughters who really have limited activities that they can share in all honesty, but all those dads out there caddying for their daughters at the Australian Girls Union was just a wonderful thing to see, you know? And, yeah. And they all, I asked quite a few of them out, and they said, look, you know, uh, there's nothing else I can really do with it, but yeah. this, we can do it together, and it's fantastic. And I'd imagine it's oh. similar for, for sons, because teenagers aren't always overly impressed mm. with their parents, are they, Lloyd? They you know, <laughs> they don't we were, think I, was cool. to, I, I was starting to think that, that Frank's 15 now, and I was starting to think that he was a bit of a weird child because he wasn't. <laughs> sullen and hating me enough, but this year he's starting to become a true <laughs> uh, That's wonderful stuff. Well, congratulations to you. That's fantastic parenting. <laughs> uh, yes, thank you. To manage to get there. Lloyd, it's been fabulous to talk to you. We've taken too long as we always do, but uh, it's been most enjoyable. Are we likely to see you back in Australia in the near future or not? I'd love to go and have a hit with you. Uh, you know, uh, probably a couple of years, yeah. and uh, yeah, and and then and then that'll probably be the last tour, and then after that, as uh, as Mike says, yeah, we need to move to Melbourne. Yeah, fantastic. Well, look, good luck with that. Good luck with you. It's been great to have you aboard today, and I'm sure both Shaq and Clay think the same. Thanks very much yes. for having me. Great fun. Absolutely. Thank uh, you, Lloyd. We forgot to mention that you 
um, beat Lawrence Donegan regularly at golf too, which is something I read and I'm surprised. You know, I that. wouldn't say regularly, but if 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 we were to see the uh, the uh, you know the head to head, I'm definitely slightly ahead. Because he uh, does a podcast now too, you know, which is actually yeah, really really I, good. I, I think probably of all the people that I enjoy beating, he's probably <laughs> top of my list, and of all the people that he enjoys beating, I'm probably top of his list. So we always have a good match. Yeah, that, the commotions reunited in 2004. Did, did the commotions. Have- play a lot when you when you were younger uh not an awful lot but but uh steven the drummer derek the manager uh lawrence and i all played so if we were on tour and there was some time off sure we we, we played i remember famously walking walking off saint how do you pronounce it saint edinock or what that place down in uh yeah down in the southwest i, I remember walking off the course because steven was playing too slowly <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was the said, beginning probably, of the end I'm going to leave it to the three of you because as a four ball, we are too slow. <laughs> oh, well, uh, don't take him to Pine Valley. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, love, yeah. We we did we did play, and it was uh, yeah. And Lawrence and I, we have a we have a keen, uh, yeah, a keen rivalry. What's the word? Rivalry, exactly. Rivalry. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, good uh, good to chat to you, Lloyd. It's been great to yeah. take some time. Thanks very much for that. Cheers. Okay. Thanks, Lloyd. And uh, to you as always, Shaq. Uh, thank you to you too. Been terrific to have you along. Absolutely. I'll uh, when we post this, uh, I'll post some uh, information on uh, Lloyd's album. It's it's uh, it's really outstanding. It's uh, all of his music's great, but this one I love, and uh, it was recorded here in beautiful Santa Monica and in part. The, so. Is this the album that our opening song comes off, or is that the previous? This is standards. No, no, our, ours uh, comes off of the uh, oh, shoot. The one before. Uh, I, think I, it's right I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, it comes off broken record. Maybe maybe Correct. we should get you to choose a new theme for us each year, Lloyd, so that we're always up to date and we've got something from the latest album. We and then we'll hear from his publishers, so yeah, we, yeah, we, we have say, to be Take careful. whatever you want, but I didn't tell you <laughs> That's so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, terrific stuff. Thank you, Shaq. And Clay's looking forward to catching up with you again this week uh, in Sydney yep. for the Australian Open. It'd be great to get we'll you Yeah, this afternoon. Yeah, I'll be. I'll actually be at the Lakes this afternoon, the Golf Riders uh, Golf Days oh, on today, and I haven't seen better. it. I haven't Don't seen it since you read it, so I'm very keen. Oh, you haven't. Oh, sorry. It's fabulous. Yeah. Seen it's fabulous. it. I've seen it, but I haven't played it. So, and I, oh, I find nice. them to be two different things. Uh, I reckon. I so, yes. yeah, I will. Hopefully, uh, it'll be uh, it'll be a good afternoon without too much rain. And that wraps it up for State of the Game episode forty nine. Uh, great to have your company. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we have. And we're looking forward to doing it all again in a couple of weeks' time here on State of the Game. State of the Game is a Talk and Golf production. Theme music, Writer's Retreat, provided by Lloyd Cole. Visit www.lloydcole.com for more information. For more golf podcasts, log on to www.talkandgolf.com.